This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show! Spoiler alert! What Did You Watch This Week is a candid discussion about recent movies and TV shows, and it may contain spoilers if you haven't watched them yet. Listen at your own risk. everyone and welcome to episode 24 i say that lacking confidence of what did you watch this week my name is mike my name is john and i can give you that confidence it is indeed 24 excellent two baker's dozens two almost john almost there so uh how's everyone doing this week great john how you doing this week i'm doing pretty good mike how about yourself I am working an excessive amount of hours, John. I did not. While you're working, are you? People could die. No, 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 no. You would hear lots more commotion in the background and douchebaggery going on. No, I, uh, I just been working a lot at work. And so, and I've been training a new guy on nights. So my time window of, of viewership has been little, so I don't have a lot to talk about this week as far as what I've watched. I do have a little bit of news, uh, but uh, otherwise I'm, uh, I'm, I'm ready to go. Did not watch Mr. Robot yet. Uh, that is because, so disappointing. Because that was on Wednesday, and on Thursday we did a day trip, and I worked Thursday, double Friday, double Saturday. Here we are Sunday. Haven't watched it yet. So, yep. I'm so disappointed. I, I'm going to watch it tomorrow. Okay. I know, I know that doesn't help us tonight. No, no. Uh, Sunday night here, but. Well, it just means we'll have two episodes to talk about next week, I guess. And I'm behind on Dark Matter. Well, what are you bringing to the table today? <laughs> uh, movies, mostly. <laughs> A couple of movies I, I got in at the beginning of the week before, uh, before work overcame me. Gotcha. So, and, uh, yeah, yeah. So why don't you just lead us off, John? What do you got? Well, uh, I know you didn't watch Mr. Robot, but I will say that this episode is just what we thought. Um, There is zero mention of Elliot. There is zero flashing to him or anything. This is all about uh, the remnants of F Society and dealing with what they're dealing with right now as they're feeling like the FBI is closing in on them. Uh, the one word that I can use for this, and I know I've used this word on a couple other shows, but it really fits here, tense. This episode was a very tense episode. There were a number of times when I felt myself kind of sweating, kind of like, oh, what's going to happen? Oh, who's waiting outside that door? So uh, while there were some filler parts, and, and I really think that... Uh, some of the stuff that happened in there could have gone down better. They uh, they really delivered another solid, really intense episode. Nice. Well, I mean, even though Elliot's not in it, I'm still looking forward to checking it out. Yep. Um, and I'll say that uh, I know you're still not watching Killjoys, but it's th- this week they uh, they finally brought the wall down in Old Town, the wall that's been kind of. Um, pacifying everybody and keeping them trapped and it was a really dark way to do it the the woman who's the doctor slash princess she kind of manipulated the pacification system and made all the people who were residents there basically gave them a brave heart kind of speech you know rise up and don't let them you know 
keep you trapped in here and made them all go and attack the wall. And it's an energy-based wall, so they all attacked it and attacked it and attacked it, and some of them died, some of them were grievously injured. They brought down the wall, but, you know, at what cost? Right. Uh, one of my favorite lines of the week, though, came from that show, and the, their ship's AI is named Lucy. So Johnny was talking to Lucy, and they had uh, they had a dead body that they were going to analyze, and he's like, Lucy, put on your anal- uh, your analysis pants. And Lucy comes back with, I don't wear pants, John. He's like, I, I know, I know. I was just, and she's like, I'm a spaceship, John. And it was just so great because she's, she's such a straight man at times. She, you know, she's just like, I don't wear pants. I'm a spaceship. <laughs> just to turn a phrase, you know? Nice. Um, but now you're, what, two episodes behind on Dark Matter? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I will say this about this week. Will Wheaton was on there. Sweet. I like Will Wheaton. Yes. And as always, as he's talked about in his podcast and his interviews and stuff, he plays the villain because he does it really well. At yeah. one point, he was put into a villain role, and he's kind of been typecast since then as a villain, and he's a good villain. He really is a good good villain. He even plays a good, like, uh, a good uh, obnoxious jerk-off on uh, The Big Bang Theory. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But at the end of the day, he's still. But he also plays kind of a comedic character there as well. Yeah, yeah. Like when Penny were in the same uh, Bikini Eight movies, right? <laughs> the Bikini Eight movies. Uh, <laughs> Penny, we're in a movie together. Nice. <laughs> uh, cool. I look forward. I, I I do look forward to catching up over these next couple of days. So, the. Uh... Fear the Walking Dead is back. I have not brought myself to dive back in yet. I know another episode is coming on tonight, a little while after we record this. I'm just, I can't bring myself to jump back in. It's its hard. It's one of those that I have to kind of force myself to do it. Yeah, I've never watched it. its It's gotten better, but it's still not something that I just, that I look forward to. Ugh. You know, see, the thing is, is like, all right, so I, 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 you know, I've fallen out with The Walking Dead. Yes. And I've never, I, so I didn't even bother to start watching Fear of the Walking Dead. And here's the thing, all right, so because of um, Jeffrey Morgan. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Jeffrey Dean Morgan being on Walking Dead, I kind of like to see his character, Negan. You yep. know what I mean? But the problem I have with the show and what kind of made me fall out with it is because I'm kind of tired of the pace of it like you have to sit through the long boring parts or talking or odd drama to get to the meat and potatoes of the action and the killing and the story building you know what i mean and then the constant 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 peril that our our main heroes are always in that's kind of the point of the story I, I'm I know, not. I'm not I saying know. you're wrong. I'm just saying that you know that's the the but main that's point the is that there's for me. nothing safe in the world. That's the turnoff for me. Like it's just every person they come across is suspicious, and I guess rightfully so. In every environment they put themselves in, I just it just doesn't do it for me. I guess I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. So. All right. I, I can I can accept that as your reasoning. I I, I won't. Like I said, I won't say you're wrong, but I do believe that that's kind of the premise that he was going for was that the world is completely unsafe for them. And that's yes. why The Walking Dead refers to them like they are The Walking okay. Dead. But see, the thing is, is what I'd like is like you have 
Um, and I can't even Rick. You have Rick, and he has those moments of of badassdom. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. But like, I just want that all the time, and it doesn't happen. So you want an action movie? Yeah, I guess. I don't want. I guess I just want more. It just doesn't do it for me. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Okay, so you don't have to justify. I don't know. I feel like I do though, because I feel like I get uh, the rest of my geek friends. And my nerd friends, they look at me funny when I say I don't watch The Walking Dead. So, yeah, everybody has their things. True, 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 true. So I, the only, I guess, TV I watched this week, I watched on YouTube. And what it is, is it's, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with CM Punk, but he was yes, a, I am. a professional. For those who aren't, shame on you. But uh, he was a professional wrestler in the WWE, and in December 2014, well, he left WWE in January of 2014, and then in December he showed up uh, at a UFC event, and they announced that he'd signed a, a contract with the UFC to fight in the UFC. And his first fight com- is coming up here, actually, finally, in a couple of weeks. And uh, what delayed it was is some um, injury and surgery and then rehab and whatnot. And then, you know, him having to learn how to fight because, you know, he's never done it before. So... Uh, anyways, they have this show, and I think they—I don't—I think they air it on maybe Fox or whatever. But I've watched it on UFC's U- uh, YouTube channel, and it's called "The Evolution of Punk." It's a four-part miniseries. Each ser- each episode, without commercials, is like twenty-three minutes long, and all it is basically is—is it's—I um, watched the first two episodes. That's all they've aired to date, and I think that part three will be on tomorrow night, and then I mean Monday night, and then part four the following Monday. And essentially what it is, it's it's a little documentary reality thing following CM Punk around as he transitions in from wrestling into the UFC. Um, most, mostly focusing on his training. In these two episodes, it was mostly focusing on his training uh, for over the several months of December 2014 to August 2015. And at the end of the second episode, he made, he makes a verbal comment of everything was going great and then I got injured. And... The episode was over, so that'll pick us up next three. It's pretty good, you know. If you like UFC, CM Punk, and uh, yeah, it's pretty good. So I watch, I watch that for TV, I guess. So you enjoyed the episodes? I did. I enjoyed them. Yes, I think like if you're a fan of WWE or wrestling or CM Punk or the UFC, go on UFC's YouTube channel and look them up. There's like I said, there's two episodes. It's worth watching. Excellent. Yeah, you get a little bio backstory of Punk, and you'll get uh, get to see him training and and whatnot, and what have you. Yeah, so I, I would I would recommend it. And I guess technically, another show I've watched, although I can't say it's willingly, it's just it is what it is. Uh, it's called The Beat Bugs, and it's on. Um, it's on Netflix. It's a Netflix original series, and it's a animated cartoon. There's 13 episodes, and uh, each episode is about 20-something minutes long, and it features two shorts, and it all centers around Beatles songs. Like songs about Beatles or songs by the band The Beatles? Songs by the band The Beatles. Okay. Yeah. Yep. You, you don't sound thrilled about this? You're not really oh, giving no, me it, a hard sell? It's a good show. I just... My my eighteen month old watches it, so okay. it's his show. But I just I thought I'd share that. I've been watching that. Gotcha. I got nothing, John. <laughs> Digging deep. Well, uh, in yeah. 
Uh, Adam Ruins Everything came back this week. Uh, I'm not sure that you've ever seen this show. I don't even know if I've ever heard of that show. Okay. Well, Adam Conover was a stand-up comedian, and I got all this from my sister the other day. Uh, He never really made it fully. You know, he was okay, but he never became a big name. But his friends all knew him as the guy that ruins everything. He's one of those guys that you say, you know, oh, cheers, and he'll be like, you know, well, actually, you know, cheers is not blah, 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 blah. You know, he's kind of like Sheldon, except for more upbeat and pleasant about it. Yep. He, he's that guy that, you know, you say, oh, I bought her a diamond ring. And he's like, actually, diamond ring, diamond engagement rings were created by the De Beers company because they had so many diamonds they were sitting on, they couldn't move them, so they created a fake thing. Um, so his shows are very uh, educational. So while you're watching it, it's a half an hour at a time. They're on the True TV network. So, oh, okay. So it's not a sitcom then. No, 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 no. Oh. Uh, this is an actual educational type show. You know, he's had like uh, voting. He's had gifting. He's had uh, sex. This most recent one was Hollywood, you know, where he went behind the scenes and told you about how um, – like the Oscars are only the the movies are only nominated because people pay for the nominations or because the people um, campaign so much. You know, we're going to bring all the Oscar judges out to lunch and give them all a free iPad for your consideration of our movie. And it's really good stuff. It's a very cheesy show. You know, it's True TV, so their acting budget is pretty weak. But I really enjoy it because you learn neat things, and he'll always put in the upper corner the um, citation. You know, he'll say like, you know, he'll say some fact and then he'll say like Hollywood Reporter 2012 or, you know, uh, Huffington Post, January 3rd, 2016, so that you know where he got the stuff from. He's not just pulling stuff out of his butt. I've really enjoyed this show. I watched the whole first season and now the second season's on and uh, it just started with Hollywood. One of the things that I think you'd appreciate about this is that he recently started a podcast that's the Adam Ruins Everything podcast. And what he did was, um, say, the traffic one was his first podcast. So in the episode Adam Ruins Cars, he talked about how cars have kind of destroyed the world. You know, not just pollution, but how we've had to make roads wider and bigger so everything's become more spread out. And then because it became more spread out, we had to spread out further. And it was just a vicious cycle. So he said, you know, we only got a chance to do like – 22 minutes of a show and we had like the the one of his guests on there was the los angeles department of transportation head and she was talking about what it's meant for los angeles etc and what they're trying to do to fix it he's like but i only got to talk to her for like three minutes on air so he called her up got her together with him and they did like an hour-long podcast following up on all the stuff on the show and more things and more stuff so that's really enjoyable it's almost like a behind the scenes bonus kind of thing I've added Adam Ruins Everything to my podcast list. I'm downloading episode one. <laughs> I think you'll enjoy it. He's a, he's a very intelligent person. And he even said on the Hollywood one, he was talking about like uh, reality shows and stuff. He's like, you know, I'll even admit on my show, he's like, I know a lot of stuff, but there's no way that I could come on this show and just have all this information at my fingertips. So I have all these researchers who do the hard work for me. But he presents it in a snarky but good way it, i think you'd really enjoy it because you learn from it and it's not boring and dry if you can get past the fact that it's very cheesy then yeah yeah well i'm gonna i'm gonna check it out i mean i'll probably uh fire it up on the way into work tonight i like to listen to podcasts when i'm driving to work so excellent yeah i uh 
that's my hard sell for Adam ruins everything. If you want to get behind the scenes info, if you want to learn a little bit more about like the elective process and cars and the fact that gifting is ridiculous, check out the show, check out the podcast. That's all I'll say on that matter. Okay. I also this week, I am caught up on the night of. I am seven episodes deep. The eighth, How do you like that? The eighth one is tonight, which is, it says the finale. I don't know if this is series finale or season finale, but it says that it's the finale. Okay. Uh, the the uh, viewer, listener, whatever we're going to call our audience, that has talked to me about this the most, Mr. Mully, has uh, commented to me recently, and I agree with him completely, that... This kid who in the first episode was so, like, quiet and afraid and meek and timid is now, like, running drugs in prison. He's now a badass who's making deals with people to, like, distract the guards while they go cut somebody's throat. He's taken quite a turn, and I don't know if we're supposed to believe that he's been in there for quite a while. I know that the judicial process is slow, but everything that they do makes it feel like it's only been a couple days. The conversations people have, you know, his father uh, and two other guys had chipped in and gone in on a taxi and a medallion so they could all take shifts and they could all make money. This kid borrowed, quote-unquote, the taxi in the first episode. It got impounded, so now... It, it, because it's part of the uh, investigation, they can't release the taxi unless the three people that own it would be willing to press charges against the kid that he stole it, in which case they can have it back. But So there's that little subplot. But these guys sit down and talk about it like we just talked yesterday. So it makes it kind of frustrating to think that maybe like a few days have passed and and yet this kid is turning into you know a, a drug running mule slash throat cutter in jail. It, I don't know. So is it not, is it not worth watching? It's worth watching. Okay. Uh, I'm still enjoying some aspects of it. The, and this may just be me. I like the casework that they're doing. I like the, uh, the investigation that John Turturro is doing, trying to figure out like what really happened. It's very subtle, though. Like, they've got this whole subplot. I already told you about his feet. By the way, they're fixed. Apparently, <laughs> he went to some Chinese doctor, and his feet got fixed, and he's all excited. He's showing them off to people. Look, I don't have to wear sandals anymore. But now we've got this whole subplot where the girl who got murdered had a cat. The kid who is in jail for her murder uh, was allergic to cats, so she put the cat out on the street. John Turturro found the cat and then took it to the shelter. But then he was feeling guilty because they said that they were going to put the cat down if nobody came to claim it. So he went back to the shelter and got it. But he's also allergic to cats. So we've got this whole subplot about him taking the cat and then trying to give his son the cat and keeping the cat locked in a separate room. And, you know, going through the motions, they actually show him, like, opening up the food can and dumping it into a plate and then carrying it over to the room and putting it in the room and then closing the door. It's. I don't know why they go so deep on some of these really asinine things. It it blows my mind that you know they can spend that much time on his feet or that much time on this cat. It's almost like John Turturro said, "I'll do this, but you need to give me like X amount of screen time." And so they were just making up ways to keep his character on screen. I don't know, but at its core, the 
the investigation, the legwork that they're doing, and the case itself are compelling. They are fun to watch. They are thrilling. You know, I still maintain that that first episode was one of the most tense things I've seen in a long time. Yeah. But but the rest of it having to slog through some of this like mundane stuff is annoying. Mm. It's only eight episodes though, so I definitely would say watch it. Get a couple episodes in, see what you feel about it, see if you like it. I know Aaron likes it. I haven't heard yeah. anything from him since then. But... I know, I haven't heard him say anything else about it. We should follow up. Yes. yes we I should think follow we should. up with Aaron and ask him if he likes it. We're, we're calling out on this one, Aaron. You know, what do you, what do you think? What do you think about my feedback? Are you agreeing about the over-inundation of the cat and the feet? Or am I just putting too much into that? Inquiring minds want to know. Yeah, let, let, Aaron, after you listen to this while you're delivering your mail, stop and then send us a message. <laughs> ah. so, so that was it for me for TV. All right, well, I did watch – I watched a documentary this week, and it was called T-Rex. And I watched it on Netflix, and the synopsis of it was follow 17-year-old boxer Clarissa Shields as she attempts to beat the odds and becomes an Olympic champion after a rough childhood in Flint, Michigan. And, um, you know, I, I, I like me some documentaries and I like me some combat sports. And, I don't know, it sounded kind of neat, so I threw it on. And um, so the, the premise of it is good. 17-year-old um, girl going to the – this is for the 2012 Olympics – going to the Olympics to compete in the first time they've ever had a women's box in the Olympics. She wants to get a gold medal. She comes from poverty and, you know, parents are what they are. So the story sounds good. And in fact, they're going to make a movie about her life because, spoiler, she won the gold medal in her weight division in 2012 in London and then now 2016 in uh, wherever they just were, Rio. <gasps> yeah, but the documentary itself is boring as crap. The producers, the makers of it, it's like they took this great story and they presented it in an exceptionally boring way. Oh, no. Yeah, it's like they had this really good story. They have this like really good backstory, I guess, of her of her younger sister and her parents, and you know, just growing up the way she did in Michigan and poverty and and whatnot like that, and how she kind of came through it all. So, I mean, if you think about it, it's a feel good uprising story of you know coming from nothing and making something of yourself through sheer you know grit and determination, and apparently being able to punch people really hard in the head. <laughs> But they fail at delivery. Okay. The, do the documentarians failed at delivery. Um, now, do you think that these documentarians, have they done other stuff? Like, is this their modus operandi? You know, I, I didn't – I honestly didn't look up to see if there's anything else they had done. Okay. So I, I, I couldn't answer that question. But I just, I, just know I, I just know they failed at delivery on this. Gotcha. Um. Like I was bored at times. Like I, I, while sitting there trying to struggle through it, I clicked on, uh, I clicked on Wikipedia and read, read, read the ending. I skipped to the end, if you will. Uh, and then I was like, yeah, I guess that's good enough. And I kind of <laughs> fast forwarded just to watch her fighting and her interactions with her coach. And then I was like, all right, that's good. Let's see. It was directed by Zachary Kenna. Canapri and a, and a Dre Cooper. I can't pronounce the names. And he is known for 
Well, that would be looks to be his very. <laughs> I was going to say known for might be a stretch of term. Yeah, exactly. But what he's done is he's basically done short films, and then this is his first feature. Oh, so he's an art school student, basically. I would say so. Like his last film credit on IMDb is 2012, and then that was a 12 minute documentary short called Superman. And it's about a guy named Christopher Dennis who wants to be a superhero, but really he's an antihero. And it's 12 minutes long. And then he hasn't done anything since then until 2015 where he did, did this. Okay. So, anyways, long and the short of it. Looked good, was depressing. Avoid it. <laughs> avoid it at all costs. Yeah, avoid it. Um, the wife and I watched a movie called Serena. Okay. She just goes, oh gosh, uh, I'm, I'm trying, I'm having a hard time trying to figure out how to, uh, really explain this to you. So the only thing I can really think of to do is, uh, is read the synopsis. I thought you were going to say is sing a song is sing a song. I'm going to read the synopsis that they put on Netflix that made us watch it. And it says a married couple builds a thriving business and rises above the depression together until issues of infertility and an illegitimate child arise. Now, it stars Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence. Okay. And, you know, it's set in the Depression area. So, like, okay. Are those two ever not in a movie together? I think they've – I looked it up. They've done four now, and I think a fifth one's on the way. It's almost like Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. Gotcha. So, the setting sounds cool. The storyline sounds cool. The two actors that are in it are really good. I mean, I like them both. The story was – Nothing like what the description was. I mean, they didn't okay. build the thriving business together. He already owned it, and then he married her, and then he showed up. She showed up, and she is just bipolar, batshit crazy. Oh, excellent! As I guess, and as she's obsessed with their love, and um, that's a bad thing to be obsessed with. You know, she's pretty mentally unbalanced and unstable, and um, it doesn't end well for anyone. I'll just leave it at that. It does not end well for anyone. I gave it two stars for didn't like. Oh, and the wife didn't give it a one star, though. I didn't hate it. I just didn't like it. All right. We know we are our reservants for hate going somewhere else. That's very true. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, Ah, screw it. Basically, what it is is <laughs> I knew if we waited long enough, you'd yeah. just be like, "Yeah, here it comes." Basically, what it is is he's a timber baron in the Smoky Mountains, and they're trying to make the national park. So he and his partner are buying people off. His bar, his partner is clearly gay and has the hots for Bradley Cooper's character. Who does? So right. So he heads off, meets Jennifer Lawrence, falls in love with her, asks, says we should get married on their first date. Long. And then there's like a montage where you think it's been a long period of time and it shows them getting married. It's been a week. He heads <laughs> back to the Smoky Mountain because he's up in Boston because he's from Boston. So we have this horrible Boston accent the whole time. He heads back down to the Smoky Mountains. His business partner finds out that he's married. He's not happy about this. I can imagine. The girl he's been banging on the side who brings him his meals is now big old fat pregnant. And he just, you know, he's just now realizing it. So there's the illegitimate child where it comes in. And then Jennifer Lawrence at first, she's like, I don't care what happened in the past. Our love started the day we met. And so she's like, I'm going to ignore this. And right away, I'm like, she's going to try and kill her. Like <laughs> this, I told my wife, I go, 
she's going to try and kill her and take the baby after it's born. I know that's what's going to happen. And so she she gets pregnant, and then an accident happens, and she has a miscarriage, and then she can't have baby, and then she's really upset about it, and then she tries to kill the mis- the uh, the uh, the uh, the girl and the kid because that's the only way their love can survive, and it's just, and then she just loses it, and so Bradley Cooper has to know go try to find the girl to save his son and her mother, which from this killer that his wife sends after them and he stops them. And then he turns himself into the law for all his shady dealings. Oh, he kills his business partner along the way, by the way. Sorry. He kills his business partner along the way because his business partner tried to undersell him and then threatened to blackmail him. So he just went ahead and and shot him at a hunting accident. And then Jennifer Lawrence's character, after trying to murder a small child, uh, basically tries to act like everything's okay. And then Bradley Cooper gets killed by a panther he's hunting in the woods. Yes, that is exactly what happened. He went hunting after saving his child and mother. He went hunting for this elusive panther he's been trying to kill. Who kills him? And then Jennifer Lawrence just burns the house down with herself inside. That's just terrible. Yeah. Yeah, it's There's based nothing on, about that that sounds like anything I'd want to watch. It's based on apparently a really bad written book as well. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, it was just, it was like, I, we got done. I'm halfway through. I look over at my wife and I go, this is not what we expected. She's like, not at all. Cause you know, we like the period movies like that and everything. Um, but yeah, so don't watch that either. <laughs> you're, uh, you're definitely giving us an awful lot of don't watch this. I this week. am helping people today with what not to watch. I guess so. It's what it's what to not watch this week. I, I almost feel like that could be a thing. <laughs> ah. <laughs> like what, we could have a separate podcast called right. "What What Should You Not Watch This Week." We should have a separate, yeah, don't watch this shit ever. <laughs> there should be a new weekly segment. Because, like, how many trailers do you watch before we record? And you're like, oh, I wouldn't watch this movie, and so you skip over it. You don't talk about it on the podcast because we want to dedicate time. We can make a whole podcast over crappy trailers that I watched. Uh, and, and like, I'm never going to watch this movie. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I watched a movie this week. What'd you take in? I watched Keanu. Is that, is that good, John? Well, here's the thing. So I am a fan of Key and Peele as a stand-up group. I am also a fan. I love some of their sketches. I was first introduced to them with their uh, racist zombie sketch. I, I was flicking through and somebody was like, oh, this is great. This is great. Watch this. And it was a sketch where the two of them and this one little nerdy white guy were in a zombie apocalypse. They're running down the street. And they're trying to get away and they're screaming and hollering. And then the nerdy white guy gets eaten, but the zombies kind of ignore them. And, then they're they're moving along and one of them almost gets grabbed and the zombie's like uh and turns away and, and walks up the street and they're like what's going on and so pretty soon they're like trying to throw themselves at the zombies they're like come on here take it and the zombies are like no I'm okay and they found out that zombies are racist against black people so they wouldn't eat them because they're black and it was just a riot to watch I was laughing so hard and I'm like all right I love these that that really sounds amazing <laughs> it really is you got to look it up sometime <laughs> racist zombies by Key and Peel and then I started seeing like uh uh Luther uh, Obama's anger translator I don't know if you've ever seen that but uh no. 
Peel will sit there and do a pretty spot on Obama, and he'll talk just like Obama. You know, though, what we've got to do is we've got to show ISIS who is boss. And then Key stands in the background and plays Luther, his anger translator, and he will just flip out. Oh, yeah, we got to go after them. We got to. And it's like leaped out, and he translates what he's trying to say. <laughs> And it is a riot. There was even an episode where they met the first lady and the first lady's anger translator. <laughs> but so I've liked these guys for quite a while now. I love their show. I was sad to see them go. Uh, I had hesitations about this movie though, because you know I, I didn't quite want to see it in the theater. It's about a cat. They're excited to get a cat. You know they're they're chasing after the cat. But it was one of those where I was bored the other day. I was hanging out with my friend. We're like, mm, let's watch a movie. So we watched it. I give this two huge thumbs up. Really? This movie was hilarious. I laughed so hard at so many different points in it. I expected it to be, like, ridiculous, as in, like, you know, a naked gun kind of thing or, you know, just one of those where it's too much, you know, okay, I'm getting kind of sick of this shtick. They're doing it over and over again. And it wasn't like here we have two very suburban black guys. This was their characters who are trying to blend into the underground world so they can get their cat back. And it was hilarious to watch them do that because they adapted fairly quickly. It wasn't just like they, uh, you know, they messed up at first and, and then kept messing up and trying to cover up these guys adapted quickly <laughs> and then just, it went downhill quickly as well. You know, at one point you've got one of them sitting in the minivan and they're like, the gangsters are all like, you know, why are you driving this minivan? He's like, it's inconspicuous. What kind of cop is going to pull over a brother riding in a minivan? You can drive your drug cars all you want, but the minivan is where it's at. And he's schooling them on how the greatest singer of all time is George Michael. The entire soundtrack to this movie was George Michael. <laughs> Different songs like Faith and Father Figure and listening to these rap artists break down Father Figure and try to figure out what the meaning was behind it and whether or not they had Father Figures growing up. It was hilarious. It was such a riot. The action sequences were great. There were far too many people interested in this cat and its well-being, but I will say it was literally the cutest cat I've ever seen in my life. And I've owned many cats, and I've met many cats, and this was the cutest cat I've ever seen. And it was just so over-the-top funny that I loved every minute of it. This, Like, I wanted to watch it again as soon as I was done. I had so much fun with this movie. Really? I really, honestly, like, I was trepidatious going into it. One of the things, <laughs> the, uh, the, they're told that the guy who probably has their cat is hanging out, uh, he has a base at a strip club. The strip club is called Hot Party Vixens. The neon sign outside is HPV. <laughs> pull up and, look at it, and even the V is like a woman spreading her legs and then closing them and they oh that's unfortunate <laughs> it was it was subtle stuff like that it was over the top stuff in your face comedy it, one of them is a uh, not a motivational speaker but he builds teams you know he goes in offices and he works on teamwork and trust falls and stuff like that and actually teaching these gangsters how to communicate and how to work together as a team better so that they can take out the bad guys better <laughs> nice I, I loved it i mean honestly if you want a fun comedic ride definitely not for the kids you know there's swearing there's nudity yeah. uh 
But if you want a fun comedic ride, you want something that you're going to laugh at a lot, you know, you and the wife, anybody out there who likes comedy, who likes Key and Peele, or, or even their solo work, definitely give this movie a try. It is so awesome. Cool. Nice to hear the hard sell on that. Yes, big hard sell. Nice. I'm going to go watch it again now. I watched a movie this week. I watched Money Monster with George Clooney and, and uh, Juliet Roberts. Oh, yeah, yeah. How was that? Well, for those who don't know, George Clooney plays a uh, TV financial expert. Julia Roberts is his producer. A man takes the live show hostage, demanding what happened to the $800 million that this company lost, causing him to lose all his money. And they're basically trying to figure out what happened. Like they, It's not like they get Stockholm Syndrome or whatever, but like they try and figure out what happens with this big company because the CEO has gone missing and on and on and on. So it's kind of like a mystery thriller thing with a hostage scenario. And it's got the beautiful people of George Clooney and Julia Roberts in it. I'm not going to say I, I hated this movie or even disliked it. <laughs> Was this strike three for the week? I'm going to say that I don't ever need to watch this again in my <laughs> life. Oh, so, okay. First of all, the guy makes George Clooney put on a bomb vest, right? So he's got this bomb vest on, and what happened was is this company, they had, there was, they, they're alleging a computer glitched in this algorithm caused them to lose $800 million and their stock plummet, and then this guy lost $60,000, and so he wants to know what happened. And the reason why he went to that show to take that, the show hostage was because the CEO of the company was supposed to be there live as a guest, but then he kind of no-showed and no one seems to know where he is and on and on and on. So, of course, you know, first the NYPD make this plan that in order to deactivate the trigger device that's on George Clooney's vest because the guy has a dead man switch he's holding, they're going to shoot George Clooney. No police agency in the history of ever in the United States would shoot a hostage. You know what I mean? And give him a, 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 what are the chances he can live through there? About 50-50. You think he'll bleed out before we get to him? That's about 50-50. And I'm like, yeah. So they literally use the same joke that we've been seeing in the previews for the war dogs? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. So then this is the best part, okay? Because Julia Roberts, the producer, and her team of financial TV executive, uh, financial TV cameramen and shit, Sorry, uh, stuff. Uh, they're able to find out where the CEO is, where he's been. They're able to find these hackers in this other country. They're able to use facial recognition to see that he's been in South Africa and not wherever Geneva, like he said he was. And then, uh, you know, his aide, apparently, they convince her to turn against him. And so she sets up a meeting at this place, a live meeting there, whatever. So he can go on TV and discuss what's happened. It's like a press conference, but only one reporter is going to be there, and that's George Clooney. And, of course, he has, the CEO of this company has no idea what's going on with this hostage because, well, he doesn't. He just has no clue because he's been on the air, and he apparently hasn't watched a single bit of news or looked at his phone the entire time. So this is my favorite part. George Clooney... They're now aware that they're going to try to shoot him. So he uses the guy with the gun as a shield, and they leave the studio, and they leave the building, and they walk three blocks or ten blocks, whatever it is, down the street with the police surrounding them at all times and allowing this to happen. 
And, like, there's people close by. I mean, the first thing they said was if this bomb went off, if the Simtex in his vest is really Simtex and went off, it would firebomb this whole floor. Everyone would be killed. This building would come down. And yet now they're walking down the street, and there's civilians gathered, like, lining the sides of it within 20 feet of these people, uh, and they haven't moved them back yet or anything. I mean, it's just, you see where I'm going? It's ludicrous. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, of course, there really wasn't a bomb. Of course. The guy used Play-Doh. He doesn't know how to make a bomb. Are you kidding me? Oh, they're the best part of the movie, though. Okay. Wait, you said this is the best part three times now. Is I know. Is this really I know. the best part? No, no. I don't know. if I Have I said that? Okay, whatever. Yeah. But one of the good parts in the movie was um, he has a pregnant girlfriend, and so they find her, and the police bring her down to talk to him so they can talk him out of it. And instead, she calls him a worthless piece of crap that he should just go ahead and kill himself they lost all their money you're worthless you're worthless you're worthless just kill yourself do us all a favor you're a piece of crap it was great that was fun that was funny that was actually comical wow i was waiting for more of a payoff from that i was waiting for it to be like some kind of plot so that like it could trigger him to know that he had to do this and she was in on the plan the whole time that it was just literally her berating him yeah it was just literally her berating him for like two minutes and, you know, saying you'd be doing us all a favor if you just kill yourself, you piece of crap, basically. And then there's another part. And the whole – you know it's called Money Monster? Well, yeah. apparently that – according to this, there's a scheme where the stock is low and you convince everybody to buy, 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 buy the stock. And you force the stock price to rise because everyone's buying the stock. And mm-hmm. apparently that's called the Money Monster and that's the whole payoff and everything. And so they do this big thing where – to try to get this guy back at $60,000 so George Clooney can live and on and on and everyone can end this over. He, he appeals using his gimmicky TV stuff. He appeals to his audience to buy this stock, to buy it. Let's get the price raised up on it. Let's get his money. Come on, we can do this. And like, you know, uh, Julie Roberts, oh, the money monster scheme and on and on and on. And they get the big board up and they show it and they got the price of the stock. It's like $8 and 48 cents. And let's do this now. And then he's like, they start the clock to see how long it's going to take. And they wait and they wait and it drops down to eight thirty-seven. <laughs> and the guy goes, well, we can see how much people like you, like the guy with the, the guy with the gun and the, and the bomb and everything. So I'm like, that, okay. That's a weird plot twist. Okay. All right. So, okay. Anyway, so now moving forward, we've uh, we've gone down to this other building now. We've confronted this evil CEO who uh, basically it's – he tried to bribe the wrong person, and that's why they lost all their money. And um, it backfired. And this deal he tried to you – know, and, and so the stock plummeted. He lost all the money. And, uh, and so he makes George Clooney's character put the, the, the bomb vest on the other guy. So he'll tell the truth. And then when he does, um, now it's all over. George Clooney's safe. The other guy's got the bomb vest on him. He's he's well away. He's admitted to what's happened. The only thing left to do is the guy just to, you know, put his put the gun down, put his hands down and surrender. Instead, he throws the dead man, switches the other guy, and the police shoot and kill him. Yeah. This sounds terrible. Yeah. So this will be my third movie of... Of of the uh, the week, <laughs> I recommend you not watch it. Wow! Yeah, see that's how my TV viewing has been going this week. Like I, I watched kids cartoons and listened to my wife watch episodes of Friends, 
and then I watched those two little things of CM Punk myself, and then I watched those those three flicks, and they were all terrible. Wow, that sucks. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any uh, any any more movies you you watched this week? Kind of, technically. Uh, yesterday I was playing on the computer, and uh, no, it wasn't that, people. I was playing World of Warcraft. Jeez. So anyway, I was playing World of Warcraft, and I had the TV on in the background. I was flicking through, and I was like, oh, look, there's Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. And I turned it on to see, you know, it's been a few years. I wanted to see if it held up, if it was still we went as to the good theater, as I remembered. We went to the theater, all three of those, yeah. Yeah, uh, the, uh, the first Spider-Man was my record. I saw that seven times in the theater. That is a lot. Yeah, I've never seen any other movie that many times. I saw Deadpool six times. I almost broke the record, but I didn't. Uh, but Spider-Man was seven times. And I got to say, the movie holds up. Really? The movie really holds up. Like, you look at the CG and how they got crap back then about how the CG looked fake in a lot of spots. Yep. And, you know, in many places, it's just as good, if not better, than some of the CG we get today. Yeah. You know, we've seen some pretty craptastic CG in the movies and oh. TV shows that we've been watching lately. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we have. And uh, it, the dialogue alone in that movie made it worth it for me. Some of the overblown speeches that they had, I'm not just talking with great power comes great responsibility, which Uncle Ben never said in the comics, but, you know, Correct. they added in. Right. But, like um, like Willem Dafoe, the way he delivered some of those lines, you know, betrayal must not be countenanced. Who the hell says that? Yet he made it sound perfect. When you go back and you rewatch it and you look at it a little more closely, the whole thing plays out more like an actual comic book than a yep. lot of comic book movies I've seen. Well, have you seen? You've seen Ang Lee's The Hulk, right? Ang Lee's yes. The Hulk. Yes. Well, you know, like basically. He tried to make uh, – is that a guy? I think so. Tried to make it look like comic book panels with his cuts and his swipes yeah. and everything, you know? Yeah. Um, it just made me think of that when you said that. Yeah. So anyways, so the, go ahead. The, the dialogue in this, you know, the speeches that the Green Goblin gives when he's up on the rooftop talking to Peter and, you know, he's like, you, me, we're exceptional. This whole city lives to ra uh, raise people like us on its sh oh, shoulders. You don't get that in comic book movies these days. You get quippy one-liners and you get fun, you know, dialogue and banter. But this is the first time that I can think of and probably the last time that I can think of that a comic book movie really felt like they had a comic book artist there saying this is the overblown speech that we would have the bad guy give in a comic. Well, I don't know if is it do you remember Daredevil season 2, the Punisher and this the monologues speeches he gave on the yes. top in the cemetery along those lines you mean or more comic booky? <sighs> kind of along those lines, but at the same time, you know, uh like I said, the best example I can give was when uh, Green Goblin captured Spider-Man and has him on top of the building, and Spider-Man's kind of out of it. He can't really move, and he's giving him that whole big, long speech yeah. about heroes and villains and how we should work together. It's so ludicrous. Like, you, you wouldn't see that in real life. People right. wouldn't sit there and monologue like that, and yet in a comic, you would see that. Oh, totally would, yes. Yeah. And their battles, you know, I, I'm sitting there and I got more engrossed in it. I stopped playing my game and I'm rewatching the movie because, first off, I think we can both agree Sam Raimi is awesome at what he does. Oh, Sam Raimi is amazing at what it, he does. In his defense, the third Spider Man movie, his hands were tied 
the studio had stepped in and told him he had to include Venom, he had to include the other Goblin. You know, they were really forcing him to do other things. He just wanted to do the Sandman story and make him a yes. sympathetic and awesome villain. Like yes, he did I remember that. Goblin like he did with Auk. But, yeah. but Sam Raimi just has a way about him. You, he's got a visual style that's unmistakable. Um, yes, absolutely. And watching some of these battles go on, they were frenetic, they were weird, they were janky, and they felt, again, like a comic book coming out of the screen. It was fun. It was so much fun to watch this and be like, yes, this was one of the first really successful comic book movies outside of, like, the Batman movies. Right. Oh, you know, the Michael Keaton and, and so yeah. on. Yeah, because X Men Final uh, was X Men had been out by then, right? As yep. well, a couple of the X Men flicks, and, and by I, by comparison, I thought we agree that Spider Man was better. It was awesome. I loved it. And then right afterwards, they were playing Spider Man Two. I'm like, well, I'm in for a treat. <laughs> and Spider Man Two again yeah. is so. There's some parts of it that are so grown worthy, cheesy. Yeah. But it's still great. It still felt like a comic book. You know, Doc Ock, Alfred Molina. I was. I had a problem with him at first because he didn't have the accent. He was not the traditional awk. But it was the fact that he pulled it off and pulled off some of those lines, you know, turning the train on full speed, ripping the handle off, tossing it to Spider-Man saying, you got a train to catch, giving him the little salute and jumping off. Yeah. How is that not right out of a comic book? Oh, it, it was totally is. just amazing. You know, you got big blockbusters like, we'll say, Guardians of the Galaxy. Amazing movie. Loved it. But you look at that and you're like... A lot of this is action movie-ish or yeah. comedy. It didn't feel like you could see that story played out on a comic book as easily as you could with Sam Raimi's first two Spider-Man movies. Yeah. So, yeah, they're nothing new. It was just a rewatch, but I got to say, I had so much fun with those. Nice. Yep. Yeah, I know. It's nice to catch something that you haven't seen in a while. And, and you know, like I've actually had a craving not to watch those, but watch the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man flicks. I didn't have as big of a problem with those as a lot of people did. I liked him. I, th- I, I enjoyed both of them. I thought they both were good stories. I liked him as Spider-Man. Um, honestly, I, I think it's a shame that they just didn't continue with those Spider-Man movies into the Marvel Cinematic Universe and, and somehow incorporate them. I thought they could have. But I remember watching the second one in the theater and yep. walking out almost with Venom, not yep. the character. I right. was so mad because so much of it, didn't make sense. There were so many plot holes. There were so many issues. I was ready to go home and write up a scathing review just based on the things that I had a problem with. Yeah, we talked about that on the yeah, yeah, yeah. It was bad. Yeah, but I still liked Andrew Garfield's character. I yes. still liked that modern take on Peter Parker. You know, Me where too. he was less nerdy and more outcast. Yep, I enjoyed those. Emma, Emma Stone is is Gwen. Gwen yeah. I almost like Gwen Stefani. Gwen I Stacey. almost said it too. <laughs> as Gwen Stacy. I liked her as Gwen Stacy, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's like Man of Steel. I know we've talked about it before. I enjoyed Man of Steel. I still like it. People don't like it, but whatever. That's fine. I liked it. Me too. Just a couple of problems with it. So, I uh, are you good on that? I don't want to cut you off. Nope, that was it. I just cool. had a couple of problems with it. So, um, some trailers. I watched a trailer last night, and I don't know how I'd never heard of this before. And if I did, I forgot about it. But I think if I would have known about it, I would have contributed to the Kickstarter campaign when it came out there. Um, but I watched a trailer last night for a flick called For the Love of Spock. Yeah. Okay. It's a documentary done by Adam Nimoy, Leonard Nimoy's son. And what it started out as, it started out as him and his dad kind of working together 
doing a documentary about Spock to celebrate, I think it was the 50th anniversary of the original Star Trek series. Might have been the 60th. I, I honestly, no, it has to be the 50th. Sorry, the 50th anniversary of the original Star Trek series. And along the way of filming, his dad passed away. And so it almost became now a an homage to his father. And if you watch the documentary, I got, okay, the, the trailer, I mean, I, I, I watched a two-minute trailer. I got teary-eyed. Like, it was absolutely amazing. I cannot wait for this to come out. And we only have to wait till September 9th. Um, I don't know if it's going to be in the theaters anywhere around here, if it's going to be an on-demand thing. I think it's going to be an on-demand thing. Because I remember if I look at the website, you can pre-order it now from, like, iTunes to, for a download, digital download. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I, I can't wait to watch this. I don't know how this slipped by my radar, but this just looked amazing, absolutely amazing. I, I'm looking back through my notes. I could have sworn that we had talked about it because I know that I watched it a while back and I was like, oh my God, this is going to be great. Yeah. I just don't recall. I know. Nope. I feel like, but I feel like to me, I had fresh eyes last night watching it. So yeah. Yeah. I'm looking on here and I don't see any notes that yeah. I made about it. So, but yeah, I mean, it was just, it just, it looks great. It looks absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And then another trailer I watched is apparently they're making a third rings movie. <sighs> really? Yeah, right? I mean, like, it comes out this October, and it is it is a direct sequel to the other two Rings flicks, but it's been over 10 years since the last one. And, it's again, it's you watch the video, you die in seven days. The story hasn't changed. The premise hasn't changed. But I, I, didn't, I didn't realize we needed a third one of those. <laughs> and uh, I didn't think we did either. Yeah. It was just like, okay, another flick. It just came out three days ago and on demand. I haven't watched it or anything. But Hard Target 2. Okay, I don't know if anyone remembers the first Hard Target. It starred Jean-Claude Van Damme, came out in 1993. It's basically, it's if you that came out at the time when they did a bunch of those movies like that. Like Ice-T was in one. It's basically hunters hunting humans running around in a forest. You know what I mean? Yep. Okay, so that's what Hard Target was about, basically. And Jean-Claude Van Damme's not in the sequel. I, I can't find anything that links the two movies other than it's a human hunting story. <laughs> okay. In fact, the plot says, Hard Target 2 will continue the human hunt theme in the jungles of Burma and Thailand. Um, okay. And it doesn't start anyone that was in the first movie in this movie. And it's been 23 years since the first movie, which, you know, wasn't good enough to merit a sequel anyway. So this just doesn't make sense to me at all. I'm stunned just hearing you talk about it. Yeah, I mean, literally, okay, the movie came out August 20th, 1993, and a sequel came out August 25th, 2016. Huh. It's just not necessary. It's just not necessary. <laughs> um, all right, I saw another trailer. Actually, I didn't. I, I, I'm going to lie. I saw that there was a trailer. I did not watch that. I refused to watch it. But it's a movie called Equals. And the synopsis is a futuristic love story set in a world where emotions have been eradicated. And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. That is, that looks terrible. Who's in it? Oh, okay. No, this is the perfect movie for this actress, Kristen Stewart. Ugh. 
<laughs> that's hilarious because yet she uh, she doesn't have emotions, right? I mean, sincerely, isn't it? Like, oh, this movie was tailor made for her. She has a face that just doesn't express emotions. So perfect, awesome. It's like, yeah. they, it's like they wrote it just for her. Exactly. They had they had something in mind. So, I watched an awesome trailer this week. I was surprised. I didn't think that I was going to like it, but I really liked it. And that was the Red Band trailer, which was surprising. It was a Red Band trailer where they still blurred out um, butts and boobs, but they had plenty of F-bombs to drop around. Yep. The Red Band trailer for Bad Santa 2. Ooh, I didn't know that was out. So here's the thing. Um, Willie's back, and <clears throat> Marcus, his you know dwarf friend, is back. I yep. did not see anything about Marcus's wife. Uh but Thurman is back and now 21 years old, and it looks like they got the same kid to play him. Well, see, then this makes sense, and it's good. Yeah. So Thurman's excited that he's 21 and, and that Willie can help him get rid of his virginity and he can become a Santa just like Willie. And I I just – I was blown away. It looked great, you know. Uh, Kathy Bates is going to be playing Billy Bob Thornton's mother. Which is a bit of a stretch when you think about it. I don't know if that's insulting to her or if we're just expected to believe that Kathy Bates can be the mother of Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah, he seems like he should be older. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he is. Um, and then Christina Hendricks is going to be in this one. Looks like she plays a getaway driver. Mm, okay. Yeah, so I'm excited for this. I loved the first one. I've seen it a million times. Uh, it was just, it really spoke to me at a time that I was stuck in retail and that this guy was just so obtuse and over the top and ridiculous. I liked it. And the sequel looks like it's going to be good because they got the same kid for Thurman. Yeah. See, I was just looking that up. It is the same kid. <laughs> Thurman Merman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Nice. Absolutely nice. But that's no, all okay. I saw for trailers. That's awesome. Like I'm I'm excited to hear to 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 watch this movie. So do you have a release date on it? I probably do. Let's see here. Blah 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 blah. It just says coming soon on the trailer. November twenty third, two thousand sixteen. Perfect. Just in time for Christmas. Yeah. Billy Bob Thornton is Willie Stokes. Uh, Tony Cox is Marcus. Brett Kelly is Thurman Merman. <laughs> Christina Hendricks is in it. Yep. Yeah, um, like I said, I think she's the getaway. Driver. I don't see. Uh, I, I don't see Lauren Graham in it. So, nope. She probably she's busy doing the uh, Gilmore Girls revival that's coming out in November as well. Oh, my wife is so excited about that. Like, my mother and sister are so excited. And you know, I'll probably watch it with her too because I watched Gilmore Girls. I didn't. I, I did. I liked it. it. I heard that it was good. I did. I did like L it. a lot of good uh, actors and actresses got their starts there, or you know, played good roles before they came onto more mainstream stuff. Jared Padalecki played a character named Dean, the love interest of Rory. <laughs> then he went to Supernatural to play not Dean, <laughs> <laughs> to play opposite, <laughs> to play Dean. opposite who Dean was. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know what? See, okay, unlike Hard Target Two, unlike Hard Target and Hard Target Two, where it's just not necessary. Bad Santa 2 being 13 years later, Thurman Merman's an adult now, Billy Bob Thornton still he is. 
That makes sense. Yeah. I'm cool with that. I am 100% cool with that. I am too. So they're not like trying to redo it with one actor, you know, like, oh, Marcus gets a new bad Santa to work with him from. Right, Bill. exactly. No, I mean, you still have Billy Bob Thornton in it. Yep. So and it the makes fact sense they got the, the Thurman kid back, because really, yes. what has he done since then? Yes. Well, actually, I was just looking that up. Uh, um, not much. He's <laughs> got Bad Santa. Then he did apparently three episodes of Dead Like Me. Remember how great that show was? Dead Like Me was such a good show. That was a that was a wonderful, wonderful show. I mean, if you people haven't seen it, we're going to talk about it in a little bit. But then he did like the Sandlot two. Yep. Something called uh, Like Mike two Streetball. Oh my god! That was the, the yeah. first Like Mike was that one where the kid found Michael Jordan's shoes and it made him play like Michael Jordan. Yeah. 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 Unaccompanied Minors, Trick or Treat, Slapshot 3, What Goes Up, High School, and then now Bad Santa 2. So basically, nothing. In between, he's done stuff, but other than Dead Like Me, nothing that was, like, worth talking about. Right. But apparently he won a – he got nominated for a Young Artist Award for Best Young Feature Film Cast. Oh, he he got a cast award. Never mind. Yeah, boo. Unaccompanied Minors. But Dead Like Me, that was such a great show. A great concept, a great show. Yes. Killed before its time. It truly was. It truly, truly was. Um, Did they do a movie? Yes, they did. Kind of tried to patch things up. In a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did two seasons. And basically what it is is – all right, so Ellen Muth plays uh, George Lass, Georgia Lass, but she goes by George Lass. And she's killed in the first episode in a very, very sad way. <laughs> Toilet falls on her. And uh, from an from a airplane? From an airplane. Yeah. And basically what happens is if she doesn't get to go to heaven or hell, she gets tapped to be a reaper. And essentially what it is is she doesn't look like her. Anyone that knew her in her former life when they look at her sees somebody else. They see a girl who goes by the name Millie. And what her job is is that Mandy Patinkin is her handler. And every day her and the other Reapers, because they're, they're Reapers, Grim Reapers, they go meet him. She gives – they and he gives them a name and a time. And basically what they have to do is they have to go and reap someone's soul right before they die. And essentially what it is is like, say you're going to die in a horrible car crash, but she reaps your soul before you die. Then when you go to heaven, you're not all maimed and mangled and stuff from the car crash. You look kind of normal. But if she doesn't, then you go to heaven all maimed and mangled. Yeah. I always (sighs) thought that it was interesting that they were reapers, but everybody that they reaped went to heaven. Well, I I thought I recall seeing one thing, someone going to hell. Like... Because, and that if, yeah, I think I remember seeing that. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. But if they didn't reap someone when they were supposed to or they decided not to, it threw, it threw the balance off. And uh, what were those little creatures called? I was just trying to think. It was like deathlings or something. Yeah, there's these little like gremlins or gremlins or there's these little like uh, little creatures, like shadow type creatures that, that will. They're the ones. Are they the ones that cause the people to die to begin with? Yes. Like if you okay. were going to die in a car accident, yeah. they might be down there cutting your brake lines or something. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. But then they they wreak havoc on you if you don't do what you're supposed to do. It was a great show. It was. It was a really great show, and it had a pretty good cast. I mean, Mandy Patinkin, awesome. Callum Blue, Callum Blue was in it. Laura Harris, Jasmine Guy. Yep. 
And let you know, I mean, she hasn't really done much other than Different World and what was that? Some movie, Harlem Nights, I think, where she gets killed. But anyways, it was a good flick. Huh? It's the dream to get killed in a movie or TV show. Yeah, right. But it was a good flick. I mean, a good, yes. flick, good show. And then after the show, the show was two seasons, uh, 2003 to 2004. And then we got a movie. Uh, Dead Like Me, Life After Death, I think it was. And that yep. came out in 2009. It was a directed video flick. So it came out five years later. And um, it's still good. It held up. Absolutely. It held up. I really, really enjoyed it. That was a great show. What's yeah, I'm sad to see it go. Yeah, me too. Has Alan Muth done anything else besides that? Looks like a couple episodes of Hannibal. And then a couple little movies. A short <laughs> film and something else. Pretty much nothing then. Yeah. yeah. Wow. She basically, after Dead Like Me, she didn't do anything for a long time. <laughs> she was dead. Like her. Yeah. Huh. Anyways, but still, great, great show. I'm going to have to try and find it. You know what? I will use the new app that Martin talked about the other day on his show called Can I Stream It? Or the website is canistream.it. And allegedly, nice. you're supposed to be able to put, uh, do a search on the movie, TV show, or whatnot. And it's supposed to tell you what platforms have it for streaming. Do you prefer the app or the website? I haven't checked the website yet. I've only I downloaded the app kind of after he said it, and so I, that's the only thing I've really I've really done is the uh, the app. But it's not letting me search TV. It's only letting me search the movie for some reason. It says please wait. Checking it. Oh, there it is. Let's see here, season one. Choose a season. Uh, okay, I don't know why. All it did was link me to IMDb. It's not actually doing what it's supposed to. Oh, here it is. Streaming. Not available on Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, Snag Films, Crackle, Epic, or Xfinity Stream for streaming. For rental, uh, Voodoo and YouTube, nine ninety nine, two ninety nine. Purchase. DVD. Nope. So that's for the movie itself. It's not letting me look up the TV show. For, oh, there it is. TV show. Nope. Yep. I don't know. Anyway. So, so it's not working the way it's supposed to, Martin. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Nice suggestion. So uh, what else you got? Uh, uh, July 14th, 2017, War for the Planet of the Apes is coming out. I have not watched any of the new Planet of the Apes movies. You know what? I actually don't mind them. I watched them both. I thought they were pretty decent. I did yeah. not. The Mark Wahlberg one was was terrible. <laughs> terrible. That's what I say about the Mark Wahlberg Transformers movie. But oh. then again, I say that about most of the Transformers movies. Yeah. I was watching. I was showing someone honest trailers last night, and I showed them The Happening. And <laughs> Mark Wahlberg puts in a Donnie Wahlberg-like performance in. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So anyways, um, and then Alien Covenant comes out August 4th, 2017, and that is the sequel to Prometheus, a prequel oh. to the original Alien. I liked Prometheus. I'm I looking did. forward to that, too. I, I liked like Prometheus. Prometheus at all. I did. So it'll be interesting. And um, in the Alien Covenant, uh, let's see here, uh, New, was it Numi Rapis and Michael Fassbender return in it? So that yep. looks pretty good. And then uh, Fargo Season 3, it is coming out. 
Uh, to be out in sometime in 2017. They've already announced that Ewan McGregor is playing a dual role, two different characters in the flick, in the show, I mean. And uh, Carrie Coon is playing the lead. And uh, it's going to be set in 2010. And I don't know how it's going to tie in with the other two series. Interesting. Yeah, season one was set in 2006. Season two was set in, two, in 1979. Yeah. But what's, what's interesting, and you, and, and you kind of... Um, don't kind of figure it out to near the end of it or whatever, but like the uh, in season one, Molly Salverson's the kind of star of the show, and her dad is a uh, owns a coffee shop, and he's a very minor character in the first season, but in the second season, set in 1979, he Lee Salverson, that character is the the star of it, yep, if you will. So it's kind of neat how they link the two together, right? Yeah, and there's a whole backstory in the first one they never go into about how Molly's mom dies mm-hmm. when she's young. And season two, you learn all about what happens. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you haven't seen the first two seasons of Fargo, I believe they're on Netflix and Hulu. You should definitely go check them out. It's a really good show. I, I would give a hard, hard sell on that. It's pretty darn excellent. But yeah, that's it. You got anything news-wise? I do. Uh, I've got a Good. few articles left over from last week. Um, yes, I was hoping you'd touch base on those. Yes. Uh, one of them was, and now it's a little late, but I still want to get it on there, uh, paying respects to Kenny Baker passing away, the original R2-D2, the guy inside the suit. Yes. Yeah. It was tragic to see him go. I mean, granted, he never did anything else, but still, that's that's big. You know, He was R2-D2. Yeah, he so, was. So it was sad to see him go. Uh, the latest atrocity of remakes that they're talking is Clue. Really? Yeah. Hasbro has gotten on that bandwagon. You know, they tried to do Battleship. Um, they're trying to make okay. more and more of their mov- their board games into movies. I will say this. Initially, when I saw the Battleship trailer and they talked about how they were going to use the grids like from the movie and this and that and everything, I thought, that's really stupid. But then when I watched the movie, I didn't think the movie was good or anything. <laughs> <laughs> but the way they incorporated the grids, it made sense at least. Okay. I never I'll watched the movie. I'll give it that. So. I, I'll give it that. Um, but yeah, they're talking about remaking Clue, and that kind of makes the hairs on the back of my neck stand up, because Clue was a classic. It is. It truly is, and it's it was unique with the three alternate endings. Yeah, which apparently was, like, when you watched it at home on VHS, or if you watched it on TV or whatever, you got all three endings. You got the ending, and then it was gave you that little, you know, theater card that said, you know, Maybe that could have happened, but what about this? And then you got a second ending, and it was like, oh, that could have been possible, but here's what really happened. And then you got the elaborate ending. But apparently, when it was in theaters, uh, different theaters received reels with different endings. So you might go to this theater over here, Theater A, watch the movie, and you would get ending A. And that was it. You didn't get the other two. There was no title card or anything. Then your friend goes two cities away to watch it on Theater B, and he gets ending B. Yeah. So that was kind of – Yeah, I remember I remember that actually, yeah. So, yeah, it, I'm not saying that they're automatically going to bomb it, but it was so well done for its time and it still holds up. I would hesitate to see them do anything to the memory of that by trying to make another one and trying to – just overdo it, you know, 
it doesn't matter if they're going to make it like a super suspenseful drama or if they're going to go all slapsticky. I just have a feeling that they're going to ruin the movie itself trying to recapture that magic and not being able to. I know. I know. I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Like when they – I felt the same way similarly to like the Halloween remake. Yep. The Evil Dead remake. And when it came to the Halloween remake, it was Michael Myers, and I thought Rob Zombie. I like Rob Zombie. I like the concept of his movies, but they haven't been good. Right. Just like 31, his new clown flick comes out soon. I'm probably going to watch it, but I don't have – I don't know why I'm like keep – I'm a sucker. <laughs> I keep watching. I mean I gave up on M. Night Shyamalan. So anyways – but I really, really, really like this Halloween movie, and I think that's why I probably keep watching. Because his first one was fantastic. His yes. sequel, oh, garbage. Horrid. Like, every piece of celluloid needs to be burned that contains that movie. It never seen it. It was garbage. Um, and then with Evil Dead. You know, at first I was like, is Evil Dead? It's my favorite movie. You know, like, I that was like one of the, it's not the first horror movie I ever saw, but it's the first movie I, I, I truly, I think, fell in love with. As a teenager, if you will, you know, and I've just I love that movie and it's my go to movie and I watch it very I watch it a lot. And uh, I mean, you saw I, I went to great lengths to bring it to the theaters in, in Portland a few years ago. Yep. You know, um, but anyways, so but then I read that, you know, Sam Raimi and Rob Tabbert were going to be involved. And even though Bruce Campbell wasn't going to be in it. Ash Ash Williams was not going to be in it. And I was like, okay, well, they're making the movie. Ash isn't going to be in it. They can't destroy that character, at least. I'll watch the movie. I love the movie. It's so good. You know, so I'm, I'm right there with you on, on feeling your trepidation because Clue was so unique within itself. But I don't know. It could be good. Yeah, maybe. I, I can't write it off completely. You know, I, I hate to be a negative Nelly or whatever before they even have announced cast or director or anything like that. I just, I worry about it. Yeah. No, I I do. I'm, I'm tales from the crypt. Yeah. It's coming back. M. Night Shyamalan's executive producing it. I'm like, I'll watch it, watch at least one, but he's got his hands in it. It's probably going to be terrible. Yep. Now on the flip side of that coin, you know who Shane Black is. I do. Yeah. Writer, screenwriter of some of the best action movies. Like, he was Mr. Action Movie. Well, he's doing The Predator right now, which is the reboot of Predator. Really? Yes. He's screenwriting that, and they talk to him about potential future projects. And he says that he is very open to writing a full-on sequel to Monster Squad. Oh, so yeah, I know who Shane Black is because he wrote Monster Squad. Yeah, yeah and, yeah, and yeah. He, he said that he would only do it if he could do it right, meaning a full sequel, years later, the kids grown up, etc. I'm That's totally awesome. down for that. Because awesome. he may not be the director, he may not be the producer, but Shane Black has some good credits under his belt for writing, screenwriting, etc. I'm just going to read some off real quick. Night of the Creeps. Lethal Weapon, Predator, Monster Squad, Dead Heat, Lethal Weapon 2, The Hunt for Red October, The Last Boy Scout. You know, like... Yeah. Yeah, okay. (laughs) This guy has the chops. He wrote the original Monster Squad, which was great. If this guy says, I want to come back and make a sequel, that I'm on board for. So much more than a reboot of Clue. 
he wrote Iron Man three. Yeah, which you know, which I, I can kind of forgive him for, I yeah. guess. But no, he has written some great flicks. I mean, his function as a writer. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I was definitely on board for that news. I yeah I okay so the predator all right yeah right Fred Decker and John Davis will produce. Shane Black's going to direct it as well. That's what's interesting about it. Ah, the yeah. only other thing he's directed is Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which I didn't think was terrible. Nope. Nope. This would be probably more mysterious. Huh. I wonder. So it's going to be a reboot? I believe so, yes. Because it says sequel. Oh, that would be even better. I yeah, it as a reboot. But. In June 14th, well, June, 4, June 2014, Fox has a sequel with Shane Black will direct and co-write with Fred Decker and John Davis will produce. So the film will be thinks is a fresh and reimagines the franchise in a different, interesting way. The title, okay. 2016, the black and from the title will be this predator. It's slated for a March 2nd, 2018 release date. Looks like it got pushed up to February 9th, 2018. See, that's a problem though in Hollywood that they do is before the movie is even filming or in production, they announce a release date. Yeah. Well, okay, so I don't hate the Predator movies. Like, I liked the first one, you know, with Schwarzenegger in the jungle. Yeah. I thought that was cool. The second one, in the city like that, I thought, all right, that's Urban jungle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we got the Predator, Alien Predator crossover flicks. I was like, you know what? These work. They did a good job with those. And they made... on some really good video games. Yes, it did. And they made the sequel make sense because... At the end of the first one, you know, the, the alien chest bursts there out of the Predator, and it causes the plane to crash, which starts the second movie. Yeah. So, that, I mean, they did a good job of that. And then we went to the theaters and saw the Robert Rodriguez Predators flick. Yes. And I, I enjoyed that. <laughs> Topher Grace as the uh, psychopath. Dude, like, I, that was, yeah, he was great as that. I didn't see it coming. <laughs> um, but I thought that was a great flick. And so I, I'm down with the Predators. I have not disliked a single Predator movie. And it's being written by Shane Black, so fingers yeah. crossed. Dude, if he made a Monster Squad 2, right? that would be phenomenal. Exactly. That would be so great. Yep. Wow. Um, I got one more thing, a bit of news I want to share. Sure. And it's this movie that just opened up this past weekend, and I guess it's hitting the box office pretty hard this weekend. It's called Don't Breathe. You heard of that oh, one? Oh, yeah. I've seen many, 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 many commercials for it. Yes. And it stars Jane Levy. And it's directed by, uh, written and directed by, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but Feed Alvarez. And it's produced by Sam Raimi and Rob Tabor. So it's the same team from the Evil Dead remake, which I just talked about liking. Right. Along with Jane Levy. And basically, uh, punk kids break into the house of a blind man to rob him, and things don't go well for them. Stephen Lang, the man who wants to play Cable. Yes, Stephen Lang, which I think he'd be a great Cable. As do I. Because he was good in Avatar. Oh, yeah. You know, like... And on Terra Nova. Yeah, he was great in Avatar, that playing that type of character. Like, you could just look at him in Avatar and the character he played and be like, okay, yeah, he could totally be Cable. Yeah, he was the same character, basically, in Terra Nova. Yeah, I never watched Terra Nova, so... Trust me. I believe. Why wouldn't I? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you got, you got more, sir? Uh, the only other one that I have was, it's more of a rumor than anything, but it's kind of promising, and that's that uh, they're saying that the Ezra Miller Flash movie, his villain of the movie could be the Rogues. 
Oh, the Rogues Gallery there? Yeah, yeah. Oh, the the full-on Mirror Master, Captain Cold, you know, Captain Boomerang, maybe Jai Courtney is Captain Boomerang again. Uh, yeah, it could be an actual team against the Flash, which that makes me even more interested to see it. Mm. Well, I mean, based on kind of what, what you know, uh, Ezra Miller has said um, about what he'd like to do with the character, how he'd like to actually be on the TV show and the Speed Force, you know, in some alternate way and yeah. everything like that. Um, I'm not hating him. Nope, not so far. You know, um, but we'll see, I guess. So Aaron just got back to me. I had messaged him. I said, uh, listen, I said, how are you feeling about the night of? He writes back, I love that show. I'm just about to start tonight's episode, which is somehow called part eight, but is labeled as episode nine. Ha ha. Nice. And then I said, all right, well, listen to this week's episode. Of what did you watch this week? John has an opinion about, and he wants to know your point of view. So he was like, okay, good. Yeah. So he's still loving it. Yeah. He's currently watching it. As well, like we- I said, I'm still enjoying it. I, yeah. I wouldn't say loving, but I am still enjoying it. I'm still having fun with it. I love the investigations, but holy God, they get into so much minutia. Oh, looks like they're eyeing James Franco to play the lead in The Predator. Huh. Interesting. I can, I can picture that. him dressed up as a Predator. Uh, I think they meant more as the not the Predator, but the uh, the, the human. Mike, the what? movie's called The Predator. Of oh. Course, the Predator is the lead. Sorry, but okay, I guess not as the alien, the predator, but as maybe the human counterpart. I see. That's yeah, disappointing. I, yeah, well, sometimes life is disappointing. He kind of has a predator kind of face. <laughs> Take that any way you want it. Ah, <laughs> uh, heck. Anyhow, I'm trying to think. I don't think I got anything else this week. I think I'm good. Uh, I just want to do a public service announcement. September 7th, Blacklist Season 3 comes on Netflix. So for those of you who haven't caught up and want to get caught up before Season 4 airs this fall, September 7th, it'll be there on Netflix. Nice. And if you've already watched it, rewatch it. That's right. We sold that show really hard. Uh, Yes. Speaking of which, Mike, you do realize that, you know, in a week or so, it's going to be September um, John, it's going to be September on Thursday. <sighs> it's crazy. And that yeah. means that all the new shows are coming back. I and, know. And I our know. podcast is going to be jam-packed with news. I think next week's episode really needs to be mostly about really the upcoming shows, their premiere dates, and uh, what we're looking forward to. Oh, there's so much. I know. I think that I think we I think we got a week to do some homework, and I think yep. that's what we need to focus on next week. Yep, when we we'll do that, it, it'll be kind of fitting because it'll be episode 25. You know, a quarter of the way to 100, and yeah, almost halfway through a year. I know, right? <laughs> almost six months of doing this. Yep, it's been fun. So, so yeah. All right. Well. Uh... I guess that's it for me. Yeah, I think that's about it. All right. We're going to call this a podcast then. So please reach out to us. Give us your thoughts, opinions, concerns, comments, suggestions. Uh, I am on the Twitter at SuperstarML. And I am on Twitter as well at TheQuantumGeek, G33K. And we are also at What Did You Watch on the Twitter. And then on the Facebook, we are at What Did You Watch. And go give us a like over there. Or go to iTunes and give us a review and 
and let us know what's happening and rate us and <laughs> da, 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 da. express your opinions. We have thick skin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, everybody. See you next week. Thanks, everyone. Bye. <laughs>